Welcome to the Teachers Unified Podcast. I'm Sarah Lerner. In this episode, we'll talk about Parkland Speaks, a book that was released in January 2019, published by Random House. It's an anthology of writing, art, and photography from students and faculty from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School who survived and shared their experiences from February 14th, 2018. We will hear from several contributors, hear how the book came to be, where the proceeds were donated, and more. Thank you for joining us for this special episode. It's been five years since Parkland Speaks was released, and almost six years since the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School that took 17 lives, left 17 injured, and traumatized an entire community. Parkland Speaks is an anthology that contains poetry, prose, art, and photography from 43 contributors, including three faculty members. These are their accounts of the experiences from that day and the days and weeks following. I edited and contributed two pieces, including Rewrite, which opens the book. In the forward, I wrote, to the students, teachers, faculty, and staff of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, as well as the families of the 17 victims and the Parkland and Coral Springs communities, we honor the strength you've shown during these trying times. We have witnessed a tragedy no one should ever have to face and have come out of it with strength and purpose. We will continue to speak out and fight to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. I hope that this book sheds light on what we went through and what we will continue to go through for the rest of our lives. We are positive, passionate, proud. We are MSD Strong. I spoke with Emily Easton, former publisher of Crown Books for Young Readers, a division of Random House, about Parkland Speaks, how it all came about, and her take on the movement that was started by the students at my school. How did the idea for Parkland Speaks come to be? It came to be through a complex series of discussions we were having at the company that began with the fact that two of my cousin's children were at the school at the time of the shooting, and one was very involved with March for Our Lives and that whole organization, but his younger sister was in your class, Sarah, and I was hearing from Sam that a lot of people at the school felt like the same voices were being heard over and over again in the media, but there were other perspectives and other people who wanted to have a chance to share their experiences and their feelings. And my colleagues knew that I had this personal connection. And of course, the entire country was tuned into this event. And we were all feeling so motivated by the students and the way that they were speaking out and organizing. And initially, The conversations in the company began with me trying to get through to March for Our Lives through my cousins. And those conversations took like nine months. (laughs) And by the time they were ready to do anything in terms of a book, we already had two books ready to go. We took two different approaches to the subject. One was through the journalism and film and TV students 
who wanted to approach this more from an activism standpoint. And then I reached out to you after Sam put me in touch with you and you helped me to coordinate reaching out to other students and inviting students to submit whatever kind of work they wanted to be in the book. And we did these two different approaches because the journalism piece, there were 50 assigned topics and they were broken into many different categories. And they all complemented each other and they were very specific in the planning. Where with Parkland Speaks, we wanted to open the door to students. Some wanted to write poetry, some wanted to do artwork, some did photography, some wrote long form pieces about their experiences. We had letters to senators, we had testimony to Congress. It was a whole pastiche of ways of expression. Some people wrote one piece, some people wrote multiple poems. Of course, you know, it was a lot of work. We worked on this very closely together to get different voices. And we were really committed to getting this out in time for the one-year anniversary at Random House. We, we just thought that would be a moment for people to focus on this. Why was it so important to you and to everyone who was working on this on your end at Random House? Why was it so important to share these voices and share these stories? You know, we've been, and this hasn't let up, we've been watching school shooting after school shooting, and and then everybody moves on and feels very frustrated and feels like there's nothing we can do. And so for Parkland Speaks, we felt like for anybody who wanted to really try and understand what it was like from the perspective of people who were involved and thereby be more motivated to try and make changes because it would, of course, break your heart and touch you and you would feel like this has to come to an end. We felt like it was the students themselves who could share their thoughts about what it was like going through it, but also living with it. We really wanted to change hearts and minds, help amplify the students who were already doing the hard, heavy lifting. Is there anything else that you want to say about the book or anything from your perspective? I'd like to just say a couple of things. One, it's highly, highly unusual to have a book come out within a year. And it was especially challenging because many of these students were graduating and were really focused on their own healing, but also getting everything ready to get off to colleges. And um, we had so many moving pieces. And in a typical book, it's usually two years from start to finish. And you're working with one author. And so you go through like a copy editor does their work, and then you send it to one person, they review it back and forth. But every stage we went through, you and I, we had to contact all these different people and get them to give us their comments, changes, feedback, and also the design of the book. Um, we wanted it to feel very personal and almost scrapbooky. We had many of the students handwrite their pieces out, and then the design took a lot of time um, to just to make it all come together so beautifully. And I think by the time we got all the writing in the first draft, we had seven or eight weeks to finalize everything and get it to the printer. And it was all done at the same time. I was also doing the other book. So I had seven, eight weeks to finalize both books from first manuscript through off to the printer. I've never done anything like that before. 
And we were really proud that we were able to do it. I hope that the students feel like it had a lasting impact because we all felt like it did. Yeah, that's something that they each have said that not only was it helpful for them at the time, but, you know, now six years later, they're proud of what they've done. They realize the impact that sharing and contributing to a book like this had on the community and the country at large. And it was a positive experience for everybody. But I have to say... Having read probably about 80 pieces of writing about this from all different students who are in different parts of the school and teachers, different teachers, Mm -hmm. I think that entire summer, all I dreamed about was this. (laughs) And it really personally impacted me. And I'll never forget that. I see with my own cousins, in many ways, they're still dealing with the repercussions of what happened. And I don't think it's ever going to go away fully. And, you know, my heart is there with the students. And it's just so impressive how you all kept at it and still speak out and are still impactful voices. And someday it would be nice if we didn't have to have that happening anymore. But who knows when that will be. I agree. And I, you know, separate from the student contributors, and I know I've expressed my gratitude any number of times, but I just want to thank you for this opportunity to work with the kids in a different way and share my own experiences to a larger audience so that people can really see, which I hope they did and do, really see what it's like on the inside and the aftermath and dealing with all of this. Because while you had three books come out about the shooting at school, they're all from different perspectives. And I think this one speaks the most to the actual event itself. And the long-lasting effects, because some of the pieces were written weeks or months after the shooting, but also some things that the kids wrote, you know, that night or the next day. And it shows the wide variety of experiences from the people in the building, not in the building, on campus, not on campus, you know, connected in some way to the people and and the event. So I just want to thank you for, for giving me this opportunity to work on this and to kind of work through my own healing. Because reading these pieces and working on the book, as difficult as it was, and I always tell people when they're going to read it, like, please do not read it all in one sitting. Like, I didn't even read it in one sitting. To read these pieces, it helped to fill in a lot of the blanks for me, which was helpful in moving through my trauma and my healing. And the book has been out for five years, but even six years since the event itself, I still find comfort in rereading my pieces, rereading some of the students' pieces, because much in the way that my yearbook captures you in that moment in time, that's what this book did. When Sam wrote her pieces, she was a freshman and she was 14, 15. And that's where she always will be in that book. I met her six months prior to the shooting, and that's the way she will be to me. And, you know, we're all just kind of frozen in time in this book. We shouldn't have been put in this situation that we would have to make this book. Like you and I shouldn't know each other. I don't want to (laughs) say, I don't want to say that I wish we didn't, (laughs) but I wish we had known each other under different circumstances. 
Agree. And and I could not have done this book without you. So, you know, you were the essential linchpin to connecting all those voices with a publisher and very diligent partner. So I thank thank you you. for all you did to help make it come together and as quickly and as powerfully as it did. Caitlin Puller, a contributor to Parkland Speaks, shares her experience in providing her work for the publication and reads her piece entitled One Month and Ten Days. Hi, my name is Caitlin Poehler and I am an MSD alumni that took part in the Parkland Speaks book that was now published almost five years ago. I will read a poem that I wrote for the book during my junior year. For this piece, I wanted to reflect on the feelings I had on February 14th and compare it to my feelings on March 24th, the day of the March for Our Lives protest. It is titled One Month and Ten Days. On February 14th, 2018, I was running with my friend in order to catch up with others. We were running with questions in our minds and a sense of innocence that I'd never get back. On March 24th, 2018, I was running with my friend in order to catch up with others. We were running with signs held up high and a sense of pride that I'd never felt before. At three o'clock on February 14th, I was holding my phone in my left hand and my friend's hand in my right. She was crying. She said to me with a look of fear in her eyes, I can't believe this is happening. At 12 o'clock on March 24th, I was holding part of a sign in my left hand and my friend's hand in my right. She was crying. She said to me with a look of hope in her eyes, I can't believe this is happening. So that was my piece for Parkland Speaks, and I also wanted to read a quote that I made in 2020 that reflected on my experience of writing this piece, as I think it still applies now. It reads, quote, I'm really glad that I took the opportunity to contribute to Parkland Speaks. I had never voluntarily submitted my own work before, but there was something about this project that motivated me to participate and try something slightly outside of my comfort zone. It pushed me to write down my feelings during a hard time and really helped me reflect on my experiences. I'm extremely grateful that I was able to convey and share my emotions through writing something that I can always look back on, end quote. Thinking back on that time now brings back a lot of memories and emotions that I just can't compare to anything else. It was a time that I felt lost, but also grateful for what I had and for the people around me. Going back and reading the works in this book made me feel so connected to so many people, including people I never even knew. and. It made me realize that so many people nowadays have gone through something like this and it's such a horrible realization to have. For anyone who is going through a hard time, I really recommend documenting your feelings. I experienced a bit of a writer's block after February 14th, but the Parkland Speaks project allowed me to just open up and pour my thoughts out on paper and it was really therapeutic during that time. It might not be for everyone, but I think it's worth a try. Thank you. Anna Bayek, another contributor, shares her experiences from February 14, 2018, in her piece entitled The Words. She also talks about what contributing to the book meant to her and things she has done since graduating from high school. Hi, my name is Anna Bayek. Um, almost six years ago now, I was present at for the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in 2018. I wrote a poem about it in the days immediately afterward. 
um, and I'm going to read that now. It was a part of the Parkland Speaks collection. It was called The Words. I've been having trouble finding the words. When you're huddled in a corner with 20 other students, waiting for if, no, when, a man with a gun will shoot through the window, will reach in to pull open the door handle, will not spare any of you. When you are waiting to die, you lose your own adjectives. You are no longer yourself. You are a series of actions. You are waiting. You are texting your loved ones that you love them. You are shaking. You are holding the hand of a girl you only half know like it is a lifeboat. Like it can save you even though you know now that only chance, only luck, only maybe providence can save you. You are forgetting to pray. You never really learned how. You are staying quiet, no, quieter, no, silent. You are staying silent. For a moment, I was not silent. There was a plastic Walmart bag full of valentines from and for the people that I care about on my lap, and when I shifted it off to the side so I could move my legs even an inch, it was the loudest thing that I had ever heard, and I had to suppress my cringe on the off chance that I could make more sound. I heard gunshots in the distance. I heard footsteps in the hallway. I know now that it was the police, the SWAT team, but at the time I thought it was the end. We were one of the last groups evacuated, and time passed strangely in those two hours where we just waited. I shook, and I listened, and I waited, and I kept silent. But now I refuse to stay that way. This could have been prevented. This can never happen again. I am starting to feel again. The numbness has started to crack and I want my adjectives back. And I want change. And I want this to be the last time students become survivors, where at worst they become victims. I knew one of the victims. Her name was Jamie. We had been in the same Indian princess group when we were children. My father had taught her earth science. I had peer counseled for the class. When I heard her name, I was just my actions again. I was crying, sobbing, gasping for air. 17 people. Coach Feist every day told me to have a nice afternoon as I walked home from school, and I know that he meant it. It's not fair. I've been having trouble finding the words. I wrote a statement uh, actually about two years afterwards um, in the year that I graduated, and I believe the year that the book was published, Parkland Speaks, the collection. And at that time, I said that contributing to Parkland Speaks was a super helpful experience to me. I wrote the poem in it a few days after the shooting, and writing it allowed me to channel those feelings of grief and loss and terror into something productive. It was an important part of my healing process for me to get the feelings down on the page so that they weren't stuck inside me anymore. Getting to share them with others lightened my own burden. I do think that. I think that being a part of this book was a really productive experience for me in terms of that it was an important step for me in that like process of entering the life afterwards. It's a strange place to be in now that it, so much time has passed and I still think about it like every day. I think that that's gonna be a part of me forever. But I also think that there is a life after tragedy. I think that, you know, now I'm, I'm about to graduate college. I'm in my senior year of college. 
one semester left and then I graduate. And, you know, at the time I was a sophomore in high school, it was six years ago. In some ways, I think I'm a completely different person. And also in some ways, I think that I'm gonna carry that person who was there for that with me for the rest of my life. And I will always, to some extent, be that person who was terrified in that classroom and really did think I was going to die. I think that revisiting that poem is hard for me now also because politically speaking, it is challenging to look back on how, I don't know, almost optimistic I was. I think that after the shooting, we all really felt like we, in this case being the students involved who were present there and the students who were affected by it, and I mean also the larger community, really felt this intense need for political change to make sure that the thing that happened to us never happened to anyone else ever again. And it's really hard to look back on that and to think that in many ways, I don't know if we failed, but that we were failed by the systems in place and that things like this absolutely do still happen. Uh, I had to turn my news notification off years ago um, on my phone because there would be, you know, it would be some random day and I'd be in class or at lunch or at work or whatever and just get a notification on my phone that there had been another school shooting. And that would obviously like, that (laughs) that would ruin a lot of days for me. But it's hard to find ways to move on and yet to still live in the world where these things happen and where people are still dying. (laughs) I got a little off track, I guess. To get back to the collection, the book, it was really empowering. It felt like one way I could do something to, if not, you know, have enough political power to prevent further mass shootings from happening through, you know, anti-gun violence legislation. There was something I could do, which was to give some idea of the way that I was feeling to, I guess, the wider world through poetry, um, which is still something that's really important to me. I still write poetry to this day. I'm taking a poetry class right now this, this spring in school in my last semester, and I think it's going to be something that's with me for the rest of my life, at least I hope so. It was really incredible to see all these members of the community come together, be a part of this project. And it's something I feel very lucky to have gotten to be a part of. And I'm really proud of our community for coming together and creating something sort of beautiful. And I mean, beautiful and heartbreaking and terrible and important that shared what it was like to go through what we went through. And that also got to honor those that didn't, that didn't get through it, that aren't still here. Caitlin Tibbetts, talks about her piece, case number 1800-1958-CF-10A. She also contributed a second piece to the book called All Over Again. Hello, my name is Caitlin Tibbetts. I go by Cat, and I'm currently a senior um, at Boston University. I'll be reciting one of my poems that I, that I featured in Parkland Speaks, Uh, called Case Number. I wrote it um, a few months after the shooting. I was a sophomore at the time and as a content writer on yearbook, uh, writing was really just my release and a way that it helped me sort of understand my feelings and write them through and really just heal overall. And this is just one of the ones that I ended up writing and when Mrs. Lerner came to me asking if I wanted to include anything in 
you know, this book that she was compiling together and editing. I gave her this one, which was the first one that I wrote. Case number 1800-1958-CF10A. I don't say your name. You don't exist. You don't exist. You don't exist. I go deaf when you're on the tip of someone else's tongue. The value of those words drain me, as if oxygen is being depleted from my lungs. The memory of you is still as sharp and crisp as paper. The plastic hasn't even been ripped off yet. Has it been three months? It feels like three years. It feels like three seconds. I go blind when your face is on a screen. I prefer darkness now, where at least I can find comfort in the familiarity. There are no snaps, no twists, no surprises with darkness. It's constant. And you are just another stranger, just another combination of shamelessness and evil. Maybe I have seen you before. You look different. Is that a new mask? I go mute when you're brought up in a conversation. My thoughts stumble like puzzle pieces, except nothing fits. I can never put two and two together. I wish I didn't know you. I wish no one knew you. I wish there remained the same amount of people in my first period, but my wishes have been proven fruitless. Are you happy? People know you. Thousands do. I don't say your name. You don't exist. You don't exist. You don't exist. The first piece in the book is Rewrite, which I wrote in reflection of not only the event itself, but in finishing that school year, finishing the yearbook, and being there for my students who just experienced so much. I've always been a writer. I love the feel of the keys under my fingers, clicking as the words appear on the screen. I love the whole process. Creation, editing, revising, lather, rinse, repeat. For some, writing serves as a way to share who they really are, a way to be creative, open, fearless, honest, a way to say what they want without having to vocalize it. After tragedy strikes, people respond differently. Some take pictures, some find food, some exercise, some retreat, some write. Watching my students find their voices after someone tried to silence them was impressive. Perhaps that's an understatement. It was awe-inspiring. It was brave. It was courageous. They turned their grief into words, into pictures, into something that helped them begin the healing process. They created something that will be kept for the rest of their lives, a yearbook. This yearbook is so much more than just a book. It's memories, it's stories, it's pictures, it's smiles, it's heartache, it's real. The theme for the yearbook was As One, which we selected in April 2017. I couldn't think of anything more fitting for what the year became. We struggled as one, we loved as one, we cried as one, we mourned as one. I will always be a writer. I will always love to read other people's writing. I will always be inspired by the process through which people write. In working on Parkland Speaks, I was able to further my passion for writing through the editing process. I read pieces from my students as well as students who aren't mine. It's raw, it's real, it happened to them. I'm thankful for the opportunity to participate in this project. I am thankful to be able to use my voice. I am thankful that I work with students who aren't afraid to use theirs. Ryan Servites shares his experience as a student at MSD, a contributor to Parkland Speaks, and also reads two of his untitled pieces from the book. Parkland Speaks was an interesting experience for me. I think at the time that it all started to come together and I started to hear from other students, you know, what Miss Lerner was doing and, you know, what other students were contributing, I started to get a little, I think I was excited to have a new opportunity and channel to express my emotions and to feel out what I had been feeling. Uh, reflecting back on the poems I had written, you know, I'm not going to say that they're even my best writing at the time. 
but they're raw, I think, in a way that reflects the state of the school and what we were feeling as students, just looking for an outlet to express ourselves, our emotions, our experiences. And in a lot of ways, uh, these experiences were political ones, ones that were filled with anger and rage and a feeling that we were the victims of a really broken system. So I'm more than grateful for the opportunity that Parkland Speech gave me in allowing me to express these feelings. In one of the first poems, um, I think I talk about sitting in my room with uh, my best friends. That's a moment where uh, the day of or February 14th, um, the, day, the day of the shooting, it was probably not even an hour after we were out of the school, uh, where I was remember a this is a clear moment sitting on my bed with a kid named Daniel Duff, who at the time still is one of my very close friends, and at the time was my best friend, and um, you know I, I talked to him all the time still, and we were in shock. You know I remember it, it was almost strange, like the emotions didn't make a lot of sense. We were at first, I think we you know in a very immature and perhaps childlike way, were kind of freaking out almost you know almost in a almost in a way that didn't really respect the gravity of the situation. And as the news started to come in, we just got more quiet and quiet. I think we didn't know what we had just been through. And when it started to set in, we felt something that we both had never felt before. And it's a moment that really stuck out in my mind and certainly was echoing throughout my head for the following months. And so when I had the opportunity to express that a little bit, even if in a you know very you know quick way in, in, in the form of a few lines in a poem, I think that it allowed me to think more about that experience and what that meant for my approach to the shooting and how I was going to respond to it. You know, this first poem uh, about listening to the names uh, and rumors floating by, I think, it, you know, it really brings me back to the way in which the, the news of everything rolled out. You know, it's not like the shooting happens and immediately, you know, all the details. Uh, news trickled out slowly and it made the experience a slow burn of kind of wanting wanting it to end, you know, wanting the news to stop coming, uh, because every time you heard something new, it was almost never something good. It was it was always something that, you know, you heard a new name, you heard more details about a survivor getting injured. It just it really it really kind of defined that experience for me. And I think going on later, uh, it really it really colored a new relationship with the news, uh, especially as I got more into activism, where Having had that perspective as a survivor and as an activist, I started to learn the importance of media and responsibility in the media. And I think that's what pushed me into the journalism program at MST. I had been taking journalism in my freshman year, but I joined the newspaper program, I think in part response to the way in which we had all been treated by the media, which at times was a respectful treatment. But more than that, it tended to lean towards, you know, forcing students into feeling like objects of kind of you know sensationalism these were, were kind of the subjects of these very very sadly exploitative um pieces and, and approaches and so i i took it upon myself to try to learn more about how journalism could approach these things with more sensitivity and of course i had the opportunity to meet many journalists who understood that um so i'm grateful for them for to, for showing me the way and i'm grateful for the newspaper program for showing me what journalism could be on top of that I think moving on to this next poem I wrote about sitting in their suits, um, earmuffs blocking out our pleas. Again, I think our pain was political. I think that it was this feeling of, of being left behind by uh, a legal, a political a set of political uh, structures and institutions that 
frankly, have been sitting on this issue for too long and their lack of action had very tangible consequences for us. Um, and I think that's, you know, quite an obvious thing to see. And in a way, I think this film is a little naive, right? I think I talk about caring more about toys than, than our future and then begging and screaming and pleading and crying and asking how many more of us have to die. And at that point, it wasn't a recognition of necessarily what the sources were of, of our pain, which is, you know, money and politics. It's this whole, it's a very toxic gun culture in the United States. You know, I, I think I approached the issue primarily out of anger, but I think it was a healthy anger. And it's something that I absolutely needed to uh, release and express learning how to channel that anger, especially through a, a project like Parkland Speaks, you know, forcing myself to reflect on the way I felt, I think helped me in my activism later down the line. Uh, it really showed me a new way to deal with grief, to turn it into something tangible and that I could feel and pursue in my life and to actually hopefully affect change uh, with my grief. Uh, you know, it, it made the pain, it, it turned the pain from the static state into something I can morph um, and use and channel towards a greater good. And so I'm grateful to Parkland Speaks and also that, and that, that opportunity and also just grateful that I am lucky enough to be in a position where I, I was able, you know, I was able to approach my feelings in that way because I know a lot of other people were not so lucky and I don't know why I was so, I was lucky enough to be, have the opportunity to explore these, these emotions and, and for them to come out the way that they did. But I'm more extremely grateful that I, I wasn't, I wasn't in that position and I know a lot of people weren't. Um, and uh, I puts a, a weird feeling of responsibility um, on you to, Make sure you're representing your community in the activist space and doing so in a way that's respectful and doesn't and not all encroaching. You know, when you speak, you have to speak for yourself. And I and you don't you can't assume how other people's are other people are feeling. In doing so, you still approach it looking for solidarity with others who do feel similarly. And I think that Parkland Speaks allowed me to really engage um in a personal exercise that had collective implications. And that held collective power. I, looking back, you know, I, I think I've I've come very far. You know, my life is uh, just in terms of where I am now. My life is extremely different in many ways, and the same in many ways. After the shooting, I helped co-found March for Our Lives with a few of my other classmates. And while that I originally started in a more organizational capacity, actually organizing students and appoints student public speaking, that shifted into more policy-oriented capacity where I was engaging with policy research and, and creating materials for promoting program gun violence prevention legislation that we at March for Our Lives were trying to promote at the time. And I think that opened my eyes to a really a love for policy and a love for political theory and political uh, science and philosophy as a whole. Coming out of that experience where after uh, senior year of high school, I really, I, you know, took a step away from March for Our Lives. I am now a student at Boston University. Uh, I've been able to take a lot of what I've learned from my experiences at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and from March for Our Lives and from gun violence activism and activists in general and channeled them to the way I, I approach everything in my life, and that includes my academic studies. Uh, I am so grateful for the people that I've been able to meet and interact with and learn from, uh, because I've grown so much as a person and added, I think, to my repertoire as a human being and engaging with the issue of not just gun violence, but now is a very expanded set of political beliefs that I have near and dear to my heart and that, you know, I pursue in my, in my daily life. 
I hope to one day go to law school or work in politics in one way or another. And I think that what this experience showed me more than anything and that I can reflect on is the importance of fighting for those things that you care about because they do have tangible implications and they result in the emotions like the emotions of all those involved in the project in, in Parkland Speaks. They result in the emotions that our community felt uh, on February 14th. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that I had to express those things. Uh, because if I didn't, I don't know if I'd be where I am right now. I appreciate this opportunity to talk about my experience. And if I have one thing to end on, I say just go and see what, what change you can create in your community. You know, be a member of that, of, of the group and, and understand how your actions might impact others because you can create so much good. And if you, and by working with others who feel similarly, you can multiply all those positive effects. Thank you for letting me speak about my experience. And uh, I'm grateful to be a part of Parkland Speaks. I sit in my room with my best friend moments after escaping the end. We watch the news flash by, images of moments before. We listen to names, rumors float by, of those who left us. I want to cry. Seventeen of my own, eagles gone. The sounds ensue, a dreadful song. I do not believe in heaven, but I hope I'm wrong. They sit in their suits, earmuffs block out our pleas. We ask and we scream and we get on our knees. What will it take for something to change? You could have stopped this to help us stop the pain. We know what it brings, but you seem to care more about your toys than our future. So we beg, we scream, and we plead and cry. How many more have to die? Yoga teacher Amy Kenny shares her piece, Just Breathe, along with an excerpt from another piece that she wrote for Parkland Speaks. Just Breathe, Yoga, Mind, Body, and Soul. My mat is a safe haven from the storms of life. The breath is my anchor, guiding my body through the dance of meditation. No thoughts, just breath with movement, moving energy out of my body, healing these fresh wounds of my heart, banishing the darkness, feeding my soul, illuminating awareness, light. Thankfully, my students and I had already gone inside for the day, and we were in safe places within the school, but 17 were left dead and 17 injured. Our community was broken. I was broken. After the tragedy of school was closed for almost two weeks, the day after the attack at the recreation center at Pine Trails Park had set up a counseling area and a memorial was begun. I spent the day there with students, hugging them, holding vigils, and accompanying them to counseling if they requested. During that time, many of my students reached out and asked me to hold yoga classes to help them and their families to cope with their anxiety and grief. So I held yoga classes in the park every day until school reopened. Hundreds of people came out. Some did yoga, some just sat and cried, but we were together and were beginning the process of healing. Community members, leaders, and people of all ages came together to do yoga because it made them feel better. And for some, it even enabled them to leave their homes for the first time since the tragedy. During our time together at the park, my students hugged me and told me stories of how yoga and meditation have helped them get through these difficult days. Some of them told me they used their breathing techniques during the attacks to remain calm. One student texted me the night of the attack and told me he used his tie-dye yoga t-shirt from his backpack as a tourniquet around a girl's leg after she had been shot. 
He saved her life with that yoga shirt, and he told me that it also reminded him to breathe and stay calm as they waited for help to arrive. One of my yoga students was murdered in the attack at MSD. Every day I laid out Meadow Pollock's mat under the tree and placed a journal on it for the students to write in. One day I took a picture from Meadow's Aunt Randy and Cousin Becca. They said to look at how the leaves of the tree created her big butterfly shadow, and they said, It's Meadow. Those shadow wings reminded me of the murals I had loved in Denver and Kelsey Montague's hashtag, What Lifts You. I wonder if Kelsey Montague would come paint our walls at MSD. I love her work and its meaning, and I think it could help our students begin to heal. Little did I know that Kelsey and Courtney were from Littleton, Colorado, where the shooting at Columbine took place. The sisters' schools were both in lockdown during the attacks on that day. Having lived through a similar tragedy, our story really connected with them. They felt compelled to come help our community heal through art. We are forever grateful to Kelsey and Courtney for our special walls. The walls pay tribute to Meadow and her love for yoga. These murals have also brought back smiles and laughter to our campus while we continue to heal and reclaim our school. As I was working on Parkland Speaks in the early stages with Random House, I was asked where I wanted some of the proceeds to be donated, and I couldn't think of anything better than Shine MSD. Shine is an organization that used art as a means for healing. The organization came about when two drama students, Sawyer Garrity and Andrea Pena, channeled their pain and anger into writing an original song called Shine after the shooting at our school. They performed it for the first time with other drama students at the CNN Town Hall held a week later on February 21st, 2018. From that song came the organization, and it was really important to me to donate proceeds to an organization that would help the whole community through art and artistic expression. Shine is an organization formed by MSD students to support families and heal an entire community. I'm honored to have been able to partner with them and to help donate money to such a wonderful cause. This organization has done so much for the community. My own children have benefited from it, as have former students of mine and even current students of mine. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow Teachers Unified to End Gun Violence on Instagram and threads at Teachers Unify and follow the podcast on both platforms at Teachers Unify PC. Mm-hmm.